Christina went to school in Ohio at Miami. She then got her MBA and law degree, a double whammy. Christina has been at HPE for over 20 years. You'll love hearing all about her career. So uh, with that, Christina, uh, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I'm uh, happy to welcome uh, Christina Guggenberger. Um, she is the Compliance and Data Privacy Governance Manager at uh, Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Great. Thanks for having me. Okay. Um, so we'll get into it. You grew up uh, just outside of Cincinnati, actually, where you live now, I think, too, and uh, talk about that uh, growing up sort of on a bit of a farm and uh, your, your experience growing up. Yeah, sure. So I actually grew up about... Um, 10, 15 miles from where I live now um, in a small town called Goshen, um, very rural fa um, farming community, literally um, on the edge of our family farm. So um, that's kind of where I was, a very small high school, um, lived near most of my family. So pretty tight with um, aunts, uncles, cousins, that sort of thing. Um, my parents, you know, had kind of just normal jobs. Um, they didn't have the opportunity to go to college. Um, so that really wasn't the norm in my family until my aunt actually got an associate's degree. Um, so all through school and high school, um, it was kind of just assumed that I would go to college because my parents just always saw the value in education and wanted to make sure that um, me and my brother had that option. So um, really in high school, I worked hard, um, tried to, you know, keep good grades, you know, did well with classes. Um, and then I also, once I was 16, my mom's like, here's a job application. You need to make sure you're contributing and, you know, starting to earn towards college so that you can help contribute with that. So um, that's kind of, you know, how I grew up and, and I, I worked, you know, while I went to, you know, in high school starting then and um, just has kind of built on all of that since then. So that's great. So let's get into some of those then uh, your first jobs in high school. So, talk about, <laughs> uh, you know, if you can remember back then, uh, you know, you worked in fast food a little bit. Yeah. You were uh, even at the post office at the 3 a.m. every morning. So yep. Get into that. <laughs> Yeah, so um, my first job was at a, um, a restaurant called Rack's Roast Beef. Um, my mom was there and they were hiring. And so she brings home the job application. She's like, here, you need to go to work. Um, you're 16 now. There's insurance to pay. So um, started at Rack's. That worked for a little while, but I was also involved with a lot of after school activities in um, high school. I was especially in music and band and that sort of thing. So the restaurant wasn't as good with flexible time. Um, so I did a little work with a marketing research company, um, you know, conducting interviews, that sort of thing. And then I got the opportunity to go work for the post office um, the summer after I graduated high school. Um, never imagined I'd have to be at work at 3 a.m., but that was what it was. Um, it was great experience in that it kind of was my you know, push to stay in college and, you know, find things beyond, um, you know, other kind of careers, but it was, it really taught me kind of the grit of working and, you know, having to be there early, 
um, a lot of physical moving mailbags, you know, as well as, you know, sorting mail and working with people. So it was a really good um, first, first kind of job, you know, really that link between high school and, you know, then going into college. So. Yeah, that's great. And then, uh, so talk a little about how, you know, you already mentioned that you hadn't had so many people in your family go to college, um, but uh, you were already interested in being a neurosurgeon. Uh, talk a little about yep. that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, again, because there wasn't a lot of people in my family that had went to college, I didn't really know what to expect. And, you know, out of my graduating class of about 160, 170, I think there were like 30 that went to college. So it was a, a little different time at that point. Um, you know, it's it's a very different community in Goshen now where the numbers are, are a lot different, um, a lot more college prep focused now. But at the time, you know, I wasn't really sure what all careers were out there. So I thought, oh, being a doctor would be really cool. I was um, good in high school science, so I thought, oh, I want to be a neurosurgeon. I'm really excited about um, the brain and how people's minds work, and I just think that would be really cool to be a neurosurgeon. Um, so that was what I started out at. Um, I, Like you mentioned, I went to Miami University. I had been um, a summer junior scholar between my junior and senior year in high school, so I'd spent six weeks there at that time. Um, that kind of helped me decide to go to Miami. Um, so I went there as a pre-med microbiology major, and then I hit zoology and chemistry classes, um, and they were a little harder at Miami than they were in high school. So um, that's when my um, my idea of being a doctor started to wane a bit because uh, those classes did not go quite as well as they had in high school. And so one... Yeah. I was just going to add one little quote that was um, always sticks out to me when I decided to change majors is um, my microbiology professor told me that I would have done better on his exam if I had put it up on the wall and thrown darts at it to pick my answers. So that's when I realized changing majors was a good move. <laughs> you know, talk about that as far as, you know, you have someone like a professor or someone that you do, you look up to in your career. Um tell you something like that, you know, I mean, it, it probably has a, a, a big impact on you long term. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, this has been, you know, I'm not going to age myself too much, but we'll say decades ago. And I still distinctly remember that quote. And I had a lot of respect for the professor um, in that he was, he was very upfront with me. And he was very, you know, honest. And that I appreciated, you know, here I was at the time, probably 19 years old. And, you know, I really had this dream of wanting to, you know, be in medicine, and it just wasn't coming naturally to me. And so he was really honest with, you know, this is not going to be the career for you. So um, that pushed me to change majors. Um, I actually tried psychology for a semester, again, being interested in the mind. Um, that didn't last very long, because then I'm looking at that major, and I was like, I'm not sure what I'm really going to do with this. So I woke up one morning, I'm like, I want to be a teacher. I like kids and let's go into elementary education. So that's what I ended up um, majoring in at Miami. And that's what my degree ultimately was in because I, towards the end, I decided I didn't really want to teach, but my parents were like, you've been here four and a half years, you need to finish. So I ended up with an elementary ed degree. 
interesting. And uh, talk about that. I guess, what did you end up doing with that, if anything? Um, honestly, I didn't really do a lot with the degree itself. However, I decided, so one of the other things I did through college um, is I did a lot of temp jobs with a local temp agency because I had pretty strong administrative skills. Um, one of my best classes in high school was typing. Um, they, I wish they taught it more now with kids because being able to type well is actually a good skill set to do the temp jobs. And, and then it gave me the chance to kind of check out companies and see who might be hiring and see what kind of culture would work. Um, and so ultimately, I didn't use the degree directly, but what it did do is it really helped me with communications and learning to kind of explain things to people and later on in my career, um, you know, doing some training and just being able to really work with people um, in a way, more the interpersonal skills, I think is what the elementary ed really taught me. So I didn't use it directly, but that kind of really helped me later, I think in my career, just in how to work with people, lead teams, present that sort of thing. Interesting. Now, uh, before we move on, just a clarification for our non-Ohio uh, listeners that Miami University is actually in Ohio, not in uh, Miami, Florida. That's a different school. Absolutely. Absolutely. Miami University is in Oxford, Ohio. It was um, in place well before University of Miami. So um, yes, it was founded in 1809. It was the original Miami University. So good there clarification. <laughs> okay. Um, so moving on now, when, uh, you started your first job out of, uh, out of college. So I guess get into that, um, how that, you know, your typing skills transitioned into this job at, uh, a health insurance company and, uh, get into to your work there. Yeah. So I was one of those December graduates, which ironically, all my degrees ended up for some reason, I was a December graduate. And, you know, not wanting to teach, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I could type well, um, administrative skills, like I said, were really strong. So I ended up as a temporary receptionist, um, executive assistant type of role at a local, well, actually a national healthcare company that had a local office. And through that temp job, a couple, two or three weeks in, they're like, hey, we have, you know, this provider relations position available, would you be interested? And I'm like, a job that's full-time? Absolutely. Because I'd been on interviews for some other different kind of sales jobs and other business jobs. Um, so I kind of knew I wanted to be in the business world. I just didn't know how to get into it. Um, one of the other jobs I had that I don't think I mentioned earlier is I worked at a local jewelry store um, a lot of the time during my college um, especially the later college years. And that really kind of exposed me to business. And that's when I decided I really wanted to go more into the business world than education. So again, I was at that point in my first senior year of college, it was not the time to change majors, but I knew that even if I didn't have a business degree, I could find a way into the business world. And so that's kind of what it was. So again, those typing skills helped me get that temp job. They saw something in me um, and then offered me my first job right out of college. So that's how I started. And it ultimately led into technology work. I, I was doing provider relations for a couple of years. And then they're like, hey, we see you're good with computers. Do you want to like be our land administrator? And I'm like, 
what's that? And they're like, we'll teach you. And I'm like, great. So that's actually how I ended up in technology. And then um, that ultimately led to my next job, which was a technology, a smaller local technology company um, doing kind of project management. So it, it's interesting the way that, you know, it was, again, the typing skills that led to the technology that then led into project management and, and kind of started me into where I am today. Interesting. You know, and this was still, what, somewhat in the early days of uh, the internet, I guess, talk about uh, that. <laughs> Absolutely. It was, it was, I mean, I remember it was actually the healthcare company was just when email was being introduced. So I remember we had internal email, but it was a big thing to then start into external email. So it was my second job in the late nineties that um, technology was really, and the internet was gaining traction, so to speak. And um, yeah, I mean, I mean, we can't even imagine what that life was like, you know, then versus now. I mean, you know, we did have cell phones, but they were the flip phones and you had to plug them in all the time and um, just a very different state of technology at that point. Interesting. And then uh, I think around that time you started working at uh, to get your MBA and you went to Xavier. Yep. Uh, talk a little bit about, I guess, the decision to do that and then uh, your experience there. Yeah. So it was, I guess, towards the end of my, um, it was, I guess, yeah, it was towards the end of my first job into my second job. I realized that it was great having the education degree, again, really helped me with those interpersonal skills, but I really needed some experience or some education really with business. And so that's when I decided to go to um, do my MBA. I chose Xavier. Um, you know, it was a, it was a great night program. Their program at the time was pretty young. Um, they were still working through some of their early days of accreditation, but I really liked their program in that I felt it was a little bit broader in how it looked at the whole person than some of the other programs in the area and that it really got into um, ethics and doing business the right way and kind of looking at business holistically. So that's what, why I decided to kind of go to Xavier over other schools. Um, but really, I knew I had to, I had to get that business education somehow. Interesting. And then where was this uh, in your career? This was, you were still not at HP yet. No, I wasn't at HP yet. So this would have been, um, I started it while I was at the healthcare company and then I, or the health insurance company. And then I finished it while I was at the technology company, which really got to be a challenge because the technology company, because I was in project and program management, I started traveling a lot. So there was literally times where I would be in class Monday night and Tuesday night for my MBA. I'd be on a plane Tuesday night after class and then be traveling the rest of the week for my project work. So it was a lot of juggling at that point um, between doing my MBA at night and then working full time. I personally liked that though, because I felt like what I was learning in the classroom, I could apply quickly to the real world um, in what I was doing in my day job. So I, I felt like it was a really good match to be able to do that. That's great. Um, okay, so then uh, was it immediately after your MBA, then you went uh, on to HP? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I it, it was probably about a year or so after I finished my MBA is when I decided to 
start looking around a little bit. Um, one of the, there was a lot of changes in the company at that time. Again, it was a small technology company. Um, the manager that I was working for, they were kind of moving him around. They were breaking up our team a little bit. Um, and I was not finding the challenges that I had originally found um, with the job really as fulfilling. And so I started looking around and came across HP at the time, um, Carly Fiorina, who some people may recognize her name. Um, she was our the CEO. She had just replaced, you know, a CEO that had been there, you know, a long time and had a long history with HP. And um, I just, I started reading the standards of business conduct and kind of how they position themselves as a company and how they did business. And I was really attracted to it. So um, I was fortunate enough to start with them back in 2000. So I've been there over 23 years now, um, starting in as a project manager in the consulting division. So um, that's kind of where it really springboarded me into um, using that MBA and the experience I had started with the project management at the previous job and kind of really taking it to the next level at HP. Wow, that's great. And then, you know, get into uh, a little bit of, I think you did a lot of traveling in the beginning with HP also. So it was that yes. like a easy transition, I guess, from your job before? Yeah, it really was. The first um, project, ironically, was here in Cincinnati. And so the first six months I was um, working for a local large manufacturing company. We won't use names, but um, that was a great project to kind of get my feet wet working in the company. And then about six, seven months in, I immediately started working on a global program with one of the big automakers out of Detroit, um, which I ended up working ultimately with all of them. And I started, you know, leading global programs. And that one was a jump in with both feet. It was over a $300 million program, lots of global travel, got to go to a lot of different places, um, back and forth to Europe a lot. Um, France, we had a big office in Grenoble, France. I still have a good friend that I made from that time. So one thing I've really loved about my time with the company is that um, you build relationships and you're able to kind of keep up with those over time. So I've really enjoyed being able to travel um, and, and meet people and, and keep up with that. So travel has been a big, it's a love of mine anyway. And so being able to do it as part of my job, um, especially the first 10, 12 years of my job, I did some pretty extensive traveling. Hmm. And uh, having that you know, international experience, especially in Europe, has that helped you at all nowadays with uh, the GDPR and other international uh, privacy laws? It really has because what it's given me an appreciation of is the different cultures. And um, when I'm reading a lot of these new data privacy laws that are popping up, because pretty much every country is coming up with their own, um, a lot of them have modeled it after the GDPR just kind of having that understanding of the people and the culture, how they do business, you know, what what is important to them as people, especially in the in the realm of privacy. I think having that global experience has been a huge help in that area. Interesting. Now, uh, getting to a little bit about how you know HP had uh, about seven years ago had um, split up, and and now yep. you actually work at HPE. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I guess talk about, uh, you know, that transition and how that impacted uh, your role. Yeah, so that was a very interesting time. Um, I was working at the time with, uh, I'm trying to think, I had I had worked with a manager previously on a acquisition that we had, um, a company we had acquired, um, bringing a small engineering firm into this large, huge corporate um, HP world. And that manager actually pulled me into the separation office, which was a pretty big undertaking. Um, at the time, it was, and it still may be, the largest corporate split ever, um, because it literally took a $120 billion company at the time and split it into two companies. So at the, re at the end of it, um, we have HP Inc., which is the part of the company that makes the laptops and the personal computers and the printers and, and the things that are mostly on the consumer side um, versus HPE, Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, which is where I landed, which is a lot of the commercial business. A lot of, you know, we do a lot of the cloud work now. We do um, just more of the, you know, working with the company. So so it's it's not as much as that you might see on a day-to-day -day basis unless you work in an office and, and see, you know, our element, green element logo. Um, a lot more people are familiar with HP, but, you know, that split was, it, it definitely changed a lot. Um, a lot of where kind of our focus as a company, obviously, but what didn't change and what I, why I'm still here is really the culture and the people. So um, fortunately, um, the HPE split kind of gave me that opportunity. Um, and at that point too, I was, you know, already had transitioned into some of the compliance and privacy work. So being part of that separation office gave me the chance to see more across the company, um, more of the business groups and kind of, you know, what ended up landing on the HPE side and how our office, which was, you know, compliance and um, regulatory compliance and governance, we would be able to then, you know, support those business groups, you know, moving forward. Interesting. Now let's finally uh, get into um, your time in, in law school. And uh, so you decided to go to law school in your mid thirties, talk about you know, <laughs> that, that uh, idea, that transition. And then, you know, what was the, what was uh, the motivating factor to go? And then we'll get into your experience in law school. Yeah, so the law school piece actually um, that started a little before you know what I was just talking about with the, my last career um, challenge or opportunity as far as this the corporate split. Um, I'd always had an interest in the law, and I'd what I was starting to see in my project work, especially, and then when I worked that acquisition, I saw that there were more and more business execs with legal degrees in other companies, and just the more I was working with statements of work and I was doing contract work in my projects, I was just noticing that, you know, it might actually be helpful to have some legal experience and maybe some formal le legal education. Um, I had an attorney that I was working with on some personal matters named Ann Flotman here in Cincinnati. She actually suggested I go to law school. I started thinking back, you know, a decade earlier, my MBA law and ethics class, um, I'll shout out to Professor Paul Fiorelli at Xavier. 
um, I remembered that was my first class and remembered how much I loved it. So just combining all of the work I was doing and then realizing, um, you know, having some of these people gently nudging me towards law school and I had always wanted to do an advanced degree. I'm like, hey, why not do law school? Um, I will add too, at the time I was a single mom and I was working full time. So I had to find a law school that I could do at night. Um, fortunately, Chase here in Cincinnati at Northern Kentucky University was an option to be able to do it. Um, but a lot of people looked at me and just thought I was completely crazy to even attempt it. I still look back and I'm like, I, I don't even know how I did it. Um, but I know I did. It took um, four and a half years to get through, but I was really grateful for the opportunity. I met a lot of really good people along the way. Um, one of my professors has become a good friend. I still keep in touch with her. So um, definitely a challenging time. But, you know, I had the four and a half years of school and then, you know, six months, a, another six months really after that, doing two bar exams. I sat for Ohio and then also Florida because I knew I eventually want to move down there. And um, as you recently took the bar exam, uh, you know that once you take one, you want to just kind of knock them out as quickly as possible. So um, I was glad to, you know, go through that. So I can't say that it was my absolute favorite time of my life because it was definitely a big challenge. Um, but I'm really glad I did it. And again, you know, kind of like my MBA, I was glad I had that opportunity to, to do it while I was working because I could see how the academic world tied to the actual business world at the same time. Law school was a little different in that respect than my MBA, just because law school is really more about the material, getting ready to pass the bar. Um, with law, I find you're learning a lot more on the job than like my MBA. I felt like some of the classes were a little bit um, more directly applicable, um, but I'm definitely really glad that I, I did it. Um, law school, taught me a lot about how to think and how to question. Um, and really, you know, again, when I'm doing my day-to-day -day job, it, it helps me look at both sides and, and be able to, you know, mediate and um, know what's, what's, what I have to do from a business standpoint um, while still maintaining, you know, meeting the regulations and making sure that we're doing it in a lawful manner. So it's a good combination. Yeah, that's great. Um, so now let's talk about, so once you already had the uh, law degree, then you continued to work at HP and, and I guess talk about uh, how your role changed there in any way. Um, I think you finally were, you know, moved into compliance. So uh, talk about that. Yeah. So when I started law school, I was actually working in our consulting organization. Um, I moved into legal for a few years doing legal operations work. So I was actually working side by side with attorneys, but not doing legal work, doing more operational work, managing budgets. I think we had about an $80 million budget at that point um, globally. So it was it was a pretty big you know role. I think we I supported about 400 attorneys from an operations standpoint. So it was it was a big group. Um, but once I graduated law school, they really didn't have attorney positions for my background. They were really looking for attorneys with um, some farm work right out of law school. So I decided to fall back to my business experience and we had an opportunity to, um, there was an opportunity with our compliance team that really focused on HIPAA. Um, at that point, 
HIPAA was the main US law that focused on privacy. We have a lot of um, privacy buried in a lot of US regulations, but it wasn't as much at the forefront. So HIPAA was kind of, I think, the springboard for data privacy here in the US to really focus on it. Um, and while we weren't a healthcare company, we were a technology company that we had a lot of healthcare clients. So there was a focus on it, especially with the high tech act that was added on to HIPAA later on. Um, it was kind of like, you know, are, are we a business associate? Are we not? Um, so the compliance team was really formed to be able to look at a lot of that. And then really as GDPR happened and then more recently CCPA, CPRA, um, all the other US laws that are coming out, um, compliance and privacy governance has really just expanded for my team and what we do. And, um, you know, really we're, we're supporting business groups all across the country. So as data privacy has become more of a headline, um, people are always talking about it. It's really provided more opportunity within the company to keep my role and my job evolving. Um, so that's why I've really, this is the longest I've stayed in a team um, since I've joined the company. And um, again, just a lot of different opportunities because the data privacy world is evolving so much. Interesting. And you know, talk a little about that as far as you've had so many different roles at HP and, and HPE that, uh, you know, if you're at a big company, I guess, how have you transitioned to have so many different roles all within the same, under the same uh, umbrella? So really a lot of it is just my own, you know, when I see an opportunity, I go for it. So if you see something that um, kind of an area that needs a little bit more focus, I have a great manager, um, Mia Parker, who just, she's really open to us finding the opportunities, taking advantage of it, um, being able to be proactive as much as we can and really encouraging that. So that's really how it is. It's really, you know, if there's, if I see an opportunity, I try to do it. Recently, I had an opportunity to work with a couple of our attorneys to get some special project work done. Um, some of it's actually public facing, you know, documentation that's going to be out on hpe.com. Um, you know, that was an opportunity that, I could have just stepped back and been like, okay, the legal attorneys have it. They're going to do all the work. Um, but I was able to kind of transition it. Um, our department actually owns the, the public facing part of the um, website. So I was able to take on some of that work and increase my legal knowledge as well as, um, you know, kind of bridge that gap. So a lot of my job right now is looking at what the business need is, and bridging that gap with other departments. Um, I work heavily with our privacy team, our legal team, our cybersecurity team, um, and, and the different business group teams to really make sure that what the products and services that we're delivering meet the regulations that are out there, which are continually changing. So that's really the big challenge. Yeah, and talk a little more about you know what you do to build that kind of uh, collaboration among all of those different teams. And I guess a little bit too about how, you know, privacy is that portal into working with so many different uh, people from different segments of uh, the company. Yeah. Um, sometimes um, 
it's not a fun way that people get to, I get to introduce myself because one way that we bridge the gap is when we have things like incidents come up and we have to manage those. Um, and that's, that's where we have to bring the business people together. Um, a lot of the operations people, um, the security team, the privacy team, the legal team to, you know, kind of understand what happens. So this is, I think, where my education background really kind of shines because again, it's the bringing people together. It's the breaking down the problem, you know, communicating, making sure that everybody's on the same page, documenting the results, clearly saying, you know, using my project management skills to, you know, put out the action items, keep things on, on time, um, keep things moving. So it's a, it's a lot of, um, you know, again, it's, a, it's, I, I call it bridging those gaps just because again, it's a lot of communicating and a lot of, um, mediating and bringing people together. So that's really the key. A lot of it has been relationship building over the years. Um, anytime you work for a large corporation, those relationships are, I think are how you ultimately can get things done. So I'm grateful for the relationships and the people that I work with. Um, again, that's why I've stayed with the company as long as I have. It, it's, it really comes down to the culture and the people. That's great. And uh, let's get into a little bit of some of the things that you do outside of work. You, uh, with Xavier University, you're part of their ethics and advisory board. Uh, yeah. Get into that. And I guess just like being on a board generally. And um, yeah, if you could tell us uh, what you do there. Yeah. So um, with Xavier, I ironically, a few years ago, I reconnected with that professor that had um, been my law and ethics professor. He actually um, leads this ethics advisory board at Xavier and asked if I would want to be um, a member on it. Um, last year, I was actually the ethicist in residence is what they call it. They choose one advisory board member to accompany um, students to on their international business trip in the spring to London and um, Paris. And basically that's all about compliance and ethics. And so I was able to go on that trip this last year, um, which has kind of opened some doors to do some speaking engagements about data privacy. Um, that's ultimately where my passion is, is um, data privacy and compliance and ethics and, you know, being able to, you know, help businesses and help people do business the right way. And um, the more I can kind of get in front of people and use data privacy as that springboard, that's kind of where I'm, I'm kind of looking to go. Um, but yeah, I do a lot of other volunteer work. I'm on um, the board currently of a um, local nonprofit called Building Blocks for Kids. I also do some um, volunteer legal work with um, the Volunteer Lawyers Project, which is part of Legal Aid. Um, very active in my church, lead a Bible study, different groups. Um, I usher at the local theaters. So if people see me at the Aronoff, then um, that was actually one of my law school professors, um, Barbara McFarland. She got me into doing that. So, and then I also proctor the Ohio bar exam twice a year, which is how you and I got connected when I um, was talking to one of your classmates from Ohio State. So yeah, I always have a lot of different things going on um, from a volunteer perspective. I also have a couple of side hustles. I'm a wine consultant um, with a small company called Scout and Cellar. I do basic estate planning with my legal work. So 
um, I keep busy. And, and again, I think a lot of it's just, I like to, to do different things. So again, variety in my job and in the way that I've kind of come into data privacy and my current career, as well as having these outside interests that, um, utilize a lot of what I do day to day, but also kind of allow me to use, um, to do things my in a little different part of my brain. So that's great. And then, uh, you know, looking forward, what do you feel like you've already sort of been there, done that, and you're done with in your career? And uh, what kinds of things are you looking to do more of or maybe start new uh, uh, in the in the future years? Yeah, I mean, really, you know, one thing I touched on is I really want to do more speaking engagements, and I really want to get into writing. Um, Again, I think data privacy is the springboard, but my passion for the last several years has been business ethics. So I'm looking forward to um, just really taking more time to do the writing. That's been the part I think that I've um, hesitated a little bit just because that's where you have to really sit down and spend some serious time doing, you know, writing some articles. Um, getting them submitted for publication, that sort of thing. So that's where I want to start. I'm excited that I've been having, you know, some of the speaking opportunities. I've done a little bit of speaking at Xavier. I'm doing an, another presentation next week with Northern Kentucky University and their business school. So that's really kind of where I want to go next. So again, it's continuing the the day-to-day -day work with Hewlett Packard Enterprise because I really do enjoy that. Um, and it, it allows me to expand my data privacy knowledge and the actual experience that then I can take out to the academic world and, and you know, conferences and, and some of those er arenas that don't always hear what's happening um, in the corporate world day to day. So that's, that's where I ultimately want to be. Again, it's that bridge. And that's kind of where I see myself as, as a bridge between um the business world and, you know, the legal side and, and kind of, you know, how things really get done. That's great. And then um, as far as, you know, looking back at your career, uh, what steps have you taken and, and things that you've, you've done um, and maybe habits that you've had that have really uh, propelled you to get to where you are today? Well, definitely a few key learnings. Um, I think the first is, I've learned to be flexible and really be willing to adapt. Um, you know, one thing that continues to change and things don't ever seem to stay the same. So you don't know what opportunities are going to come and you're always going to learn something. So one thing I've really tried to do is keep a positive mindset when things do change because the only constant is change. Everything is going to ultimately change. So something always comes from that experience it may not be immediate. I mean, just like I mentioned, you know, there are things that happened 20, 30 years ago that all, you know, have come full circle, so to speak, that, you know, provide new opportunities. So just be flexible and kind of, you know, be willing to adapt. So that that's one of my big key learnings. I think the other is that, you know, things are hard. I mean, you don't normally get really good results from things that are going to be easy. So recognize that, you know, when you go into a new opportunity, it's not necessarily going to be easy, but it is something that ultimately results in a good, um, a good outcome. 
my jewelry store days kind of brings me to that old adage about how diamonds are made from pressure. So, you know, they start out as carbon and they become diamonds from the pressure that they're under. Um, again, you know, hard stuff brings beautiful outcomes. So I kind of always use that analogy. Um, and then really, you know, the other learning is that if something's not working, don't be afraid to try something else. Um, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're not going to get the different results. So if something's not working, try something different, you know, find another opportunity, you know, whether it's inside your career or, you know, if you're looking outside, whether at different companies or different opportunities, there's always a way to get more experience, you know, find a nonprofit to help um, find an organization, you know, that has an interest. I'm, I'm pretty involved with like IAPP, which is, you know, the privacy, big privacy association, um, the corporate compliance and ethics um, organization, you know, I really try to keep up with them. So, you know, find those type of organizations to ultimately, you know, give you some new learnings and some new opportunities. So that's kind of a lot of how I feel like I've learned things along the way. Excellent. And uh, with that, I will read my uh, little rhyme and then we'll wrap it up. So uh, Christina went to school in Ohio at Miami. She then got her MBA and law degree, a double whammy. Christina has been at HPE for over 20 years. We loved hearing all about her career. And uh, with that, Christina, thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast. Great. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Noah.